Chapter Thirteen of the Return of Tarzan. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Return of Tarzan by Edgar Rice Burroughs. Chapter Thirteen, The Wreck of the Lady Alice. The next morning at breakfast, Tarzan's place was vacant. Miss Strong was mildly curious, for Mister Caldwell had always made it a point to wait that he might breakfast with her and her mother. As she was sitting on deck later, Monsieur Thuran paused to exchange a half dozen pleasant words with her. He seemed in most excellent spirits. His manner was the extreme of affability. As he passed on, Miss Strong thought what a very delightful man was Monsieur Thuran. The day dragged heavily. She missed the quiet companionship of Mister Caldwell. There had been something about him that had made the girl like him from the first. He had talked so entertainingly of the places he had seen, the peoples and their customs, the wild beasts, and he had always had a droll way of drawing striking comparisons between savage animals and civilized men that showed a considerable knowledge of the former and a keen though somewhat cynical estimate of the latter. When Monsieur Thuran stopped again to chat with her in the afternoon, she welcomed the break in the day's monotony. But she had begun to become seriously concerned in Mister Caldwell's continued absence. Somehow she constantly associated it with the start she had had the night before, when the dark object fell past her port into the sea. Presently she broached the subject to Monsieur Thuran. Had he seen Mister Caldwell today? He had not. Why? He was not at breakfast as usual, nor have I seen him once since yesterday. Explained the girl. Monsieur Thuran was extremely solicitous. I did not have the pleasure of intimate acquaintance with Mister Caldwell. He said, "He seemed a most estimable gentleman. However, can it be that he is indisposed and has remained in his stateroom? It would not be strange." No, replied the girl. It would not be strange, of course. But for some inexplicable reason, I have one of those foolish feminine presentiments that all is not right with Mister Caldwell. It is the strangest feeling. It is as though I knew that he was not on board the ship. Monsieur Thuran laughed pleasantly. "Mercy, my dear Miss Strong," he said. "Where in the world could he be then? We have not been within sight of land for days." Of course, it is ridiculous of me," she admitted. And then, but I am not going to worry about it any longer. I am going to find out where Mister Caldwell is, and she motioned to a passing steward. That may be more difficult than you imagine, my dear girl," thought Monsieur Thuran. But aloud he said, "By all means, find Mister Caldwell, please," she said to the steward, "and tell him that his friends are much worried by his continued absence." You are very fond of Mister Caldwell," suggested Monsieur Thuran. "I think he is splendid," replied the girl, "and Mamma is perfectly infatuated with him. He is the sort of man with whom one has a feeling of perfect security. No one could help but have confidence in Mister Caldwell." A moment later, the steward returned to say that Mister Caldwell was not in his stateroom. "I cannot find him, Miss Strong," and. He hesitated. I have learned that his berth was not occupied last night. I think that I had better report the matter to the captain. 
"'Most assuredly!' exclaimed Miss Strong. "'I shall go with you to the captain myself. "'It is terrible. "'I know that something awful has happened. "'My presentiments were not false after all.' It was a very frightened young woman and an excited steward who presented themselves before the captain a few moments later. He listened to their stories in silence, a look of concern marking his expression as the steward assured him that he had sought for the missing passenger in every part of the ship that a passenger might be expected to frequent. "'And are you sure, Miss Strong, that you saw a body fall overboard last night?' he asked. "'There is not the slightest doubt about it,' she answered. "'I cannot say that it was a human body. There was no outcry.' It might have been only what I thought it was, a bundle of refuse. But if Mr. Caldwell is not found on board, I shall always be positive that it was he whom I saw fall past my port. The captain ordered an immediate and thorough search of the entire ship, from stem to stern. No nook or cranny was to be overlooked. Miss Strong remained in his cabin, waiting the outcome of the quest. The captain asked her many questions— but she could tell him nothing about the missing man other than what she had herself seen during their brief acquaintance on shipboard. For the first time she suddenly realized how very little, indeed, Mr. Caldwell had told her about himself or his past life. That he had been born in Africa and educated in Paris was about all she knew, and this meager information had been the result of her surprise that an Englishman should speak English with such a marked French accent. "'Did he ever speak of any enemies?' asked the captain. "'Never.' "'Was he acquainted with any of the other passengers?' "'Only as he had been with me, through the circumstance of casual meeting as fellow shipmates.' "'Um, was he, in your opinion, Miss Strong?' A man who drank to excess? I do not know that he drank at all. He certainly had not been drinking up to half an hour before I saw that body fall overboard, she answered, for I was with him on deck up to that time. It is very strange, said the captain. He did not look to me like a man who was subject to fainting spells or anything of that sort and even had he been, it is scarcely credible that he should have fallen completely over the rail had he been taken with an attack while leaning upon it. He would rather have fallen inside, upon the deck. If he is not on board, Miss Strong, he was thrown overboard, and the fact that you heard no outcry would lead to the assumption that he was dead before he left the ship's deck. Murdered. The girl shuddered. It was a full hour later that the first officer returned to report the outcome of the search. "'Mr. Caldwell is not on board, sir,' he said. "'I fear that there is something more serious than accident here, Mr. Brentley,' said the captain. "'I wish that you would make a personal and very careful examination of Mr. Caldwell's effects to ascertain if there is any clue to a motive either for suicide or murder. Sift the thing to the bottom.' "'Aye, aye, sir,' responded Mr. Brentley, and left to commence his investigation. Hazel Strong was prostrated. For two days she did not leave her cabin, 
and when she finally ventured on deck she was very wan and white, with great dark circles beneath her eyes. Waking or sleeping, it seemed that she constantly saw that dark body dropping, swift and silent, into the cold, grim sea. Shortly after her first appearance on deck, following the tragedy, Monsieur Thuron joined her with many expressions of kindly solicitude. "'Oh, but it is terrible, Miss Strong,' he said. "'I cannot rid my mind of it.' "'Nor I,' said the girl wearily. "'I feel that he might have been saved had I but given the alarm.' "'You must not reproach yourself, my dear Miss Strong,' urged Monsieur Thuron. "'It was in no way your fault. Another would have done as you did. Who would think that because something fell into the sea from a ship that it must necessarily be a man? Nor would the outcome have been different had you given an alarm.' For a while they would have doubted your story, thinking it but the nervous hallucination of a woman. Had you insisted, it would have been too late to have rescued him by the time the ship could have been brought to a stop, and the boats lowered and rowed back miles in search of the unknown spot where the tragedy had occurred. No, you must not censure yourself. You have done more than any other of us for poor Mr. Caldwell. You were the only one to miss him. It was you who instituted the search. The girl could not help but feel grateful to him for his kind and encouraging words. He was with her often, almost constantly for the remainder of the voyage, and she grew to like him very much indeed. Monsieur Thuron had learned that the beautiful Miss Strong of Baltimore was an American heiress, a very wealthy girl in her own right and with future prospects that quite took his breath away when he contemplated them, and since he spent most of his time in that delectable pastime, it is a wonder that he breathed at all. It had been Monsieur Thuron's intention to leave the ship at the first port they touched after the disappearance of Tarzan. Did he not have in his coat pocket the thing he had taken passage upon this very boat to obtain? There was nothing more to detain him here he could not return to the continent fast enough that he might board the first express for St. Petersburg. But now another idea had obtruded itself, and was rapidly crowding his original intentions into the background. That American fortune was not to be sneezed at, nor was its possessor a whit less attractive. Sapristi, but she would cause a sensation in St. Petersburg— and he would, too, with the assistance of her inheritance. After Monsieur Thuron had squandered a few million dollars, he discovered that the vocation was so entirely to his liking that he would continue on down to Cape Town, where he suddenly decided that he had pressing engagements that might detain him there for some time. Miss Strong had told him that she and her mother were to visit the latter's brother there. They had not decided upon the duration of their stay, and it would probably run into months. She was delighted when she found that Monsieur Thuron was to be there also. "'I hope that we shall be able to continue our acquaintance,' she said. "'You must call upon Mama and me as soon as we are settled.' Monsieur Thuron was delighted at the prospect, and lost no time in saying so. Mrs. Strong was not quite so favorably impressed by him as her daughter— 
"'I do not know why I should distrust him,' she said to Hazel one day as they were discussing him. "'He seems a perfect gentleman in every respect. But sometimes there is something about his eyes, a fleeting expression which I cannot describe, but which when I see it gives me a very uncanny feeling.' The girl laughed. "'You are a silly dear, mamma," she said. "'I suppose so, but I am sorry that we have not poor Mr. Caldwell for company instead.' "'And I, too,' replied her daughter. Monsieur Thuran became a frequent visitor at the home of Hazel Strong's uncle in Cape Town. His attentions were very marked, but they were so punctiliously arranged to meet the girl's every wish that she came to depend upon him more and more. Did she or her mother or a cousin require an escort? Was there a little friendly service to be rendered? The genial and ubiquitous Monsieur Thuran was always available. Her uncle and his family grew to like him for his unfailing courtesy and willingness to be of service. Monsieur Thuran was becoming indispensable. At length, feeling the moment propitious, he proposed. Miss Strong was startled. She did not know what to say. "'I had never thought that you cared for me in any such way,' she told him. "'I have looked upon you always as a very dear friend. I shall not give you my answer now. Forget that you have asked me to be your wife.' Let us go on as we have been. Then I can consider you from an entirely different angle for a time. It may be that I shall discover that my feeling for you is more than friendship. I certainly have not thought for a moment that I loved you. This arrangement was perfectly satisfactory to Monsieur Thuran. He deeply regretted that he had been hasty, but he had loved her for so long a time, and so devotedly, that he thought that everyone must know it. "'From the first time I saw you, Hazel,' he said, "'I have loved you. I am willing to wait, for I am certain that so great and pure a love as mine will be rewarded. All that I care to know is that you do not love another. Will you tell me?' "'I have never been in love in my life,' she replied, and he was quite satisfied." On the way home that night he purchased a steam yacht and built a million-dollar villa on the Black Sea. The next day Hazel Strong enjoyed one of the happiest surprises of her life. She ran face to face upon Jane Porter as she was coming out of a jeweler's shop. "'Why, Jane Porter!' she exclaimed. "'Where in the world did you drop from? Why, I can't believe my own eyes!' "'Well, of all things!' cried the equally astonished Jane. "'And here I have been wasting whole reams of perfectly good imagination "'picturing you in Baltimore. The very idea!' And she threw her arms about her friend once more and kissed her a dozen times. By the time mutual explanations had been made, Hazel knew that Lord Tennington's yacht had put in at Cape Town for at least a week's stay and at the end of that time was to continue on her voyage, this time up the west coast, and so back to England. Where, concluded Jane, I am to be married. Then you are not married yet? asked Hazel. Not yet, replied Jane, and then quite irrelevantly, I wish England were a million miles from here. <laughs> 